All right, so let's, uh, let's go to the Lord here and ask for his continued blessing on our time together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning just asking for your help as we draw near to you uh, and have been doing so, but as we draw near to you, as we hear your word, God, we just pray that you would help us, uh, any distractions that there might be in our minds, Lord, uh, things that have gone on this week, Lord, help us just to kind of mentally... Um, to lay them at your feet and say, Lord, you're, you're, you're in control, and we want to just hear what you have to say. Speak to our hearts today. Lord, we ask that, um, uh, that uh, you know, your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts today and help us to, uh, to just, uh, if, if we struggle with worry and anxiety, God, we just pray that you would help us gain victory in this area. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, we are going through the Gospel of Luke here. If you've not been coming to Darby Creek, uh, we're, that's what we've been making our way through this book. Sometimes we take some pit stops and do some topical messages along the way. But now in Luke, we're in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34, and Jesus just lays out a number of reasons to not be anxious, to not be anxious. And um, this this relates to anybody. I mean, we all to some degree, probably struggle with just um, maybe uh, being too overly concerned about certain things, you know. Um, And so I think this is just a good reminder. Jesus has some encouraging words for us here. And um, what I'm going to do today, a lot of times I'll read the entire passage first. I'm going to just read this kind of, the way this is laid out is this lends itself to read a couple verses and then uh, Jesus makes a point, you know. So this is... uh, um, this is very helpful, I think, doing it this way. So I'm going to read here the first couple of verses that we come to in, um, in this passage here. Luke 12, uh, 22 and 23 says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And now this sounds, this, if this language, if you were here last week, it sounds very similar to the week before when Jesus was talking about, you know, life is more than possessions. And we talked about uh, we, need to, uh, we need to not let possessions control our lives, but they're, they're, you know, they can be gifts from God that we used for his glory, but they shouldn't uh, be the center of our lives, right? And Jesus said life is more than the accumulation of wealth, right? And so now Jesus is kind of saying, you know, well, there's more to life than food and clothing. Uh, he's, he's saying that. And, and now he's not downplaying the need for food and clothing. He's not doing that. But he is saying he has a point to make. And actually, I'll just kind of give you the big idea here first. Um, if you wrap this up uh, just in a simple phrase here, it would just be when you're under the kingship of God, you don't need to worry. When you're under the kingship of God, you don't need to worry. And so, but he, he explains some of this along the way. And the first thing here that we just ran into is that life, um, whoa, did I read that? Sorry. Oh, okay, there we go. Getting ahead of myself. Life is, is about more than our material needs, right? So this is, this is his point. Now, again, that connection with the word therefore, right, connects us to the previous section. And um, the thing is, is what does he mean that life is more than these things? Well, our... our Jesus has uh, expressed on a number of occasions that real life, true life, is found in him. 
is found in having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and this is what he is getting at, is there's much more to life than just the, the physical, right? And we're talking about having a relationship with God uh, through Jesus. And so Jesus is trying to say, listen, um, uh, that the, the relationship is the basis for Jesus saying, don't be anxious. This relationship that we have with God, if in fact you have a relationship with God, so the presumption here, you know, he, he sa- it says he's speaking to his disciples. He said to his disciples, right? So we know there's the people that have placed their faith in him. They believe in him. They're following him. And so um, he, he's simply saying, listen, you know, or you should know, and I'm reminding you that you should know that life is much more than the, thing, the things that we see, but our true life is found in God. And, and in our relationship with God, these things are met right? These needs are met, okay? Um, in fact, um, I don't have the verse up here, but 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 6, says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if you have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You know, how many times, um, you know, have you read about something or someone or some situation, some crime that was committed, uh, some injustice committed against someone else because of the, the, the seeking after more money, right? Financial gain. Um, and so he, he's... Uh, in this letter to Timothy, Paul is saying, listen, um, be careful, right? In verse 10, he says there in 1 Timothy 6, he says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, so he gives the warning, and now he's saying, okay, now here's what you need to do. Instead, uh, you know, uh, keep away from the love of money, He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So he, you know, he's just reminding us there's there's more to life than things, and there's more to life than just our basic needs, right? He's saying, listen, we can, um, the the verse, uh, those verses opened up with this phrase in verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? So you want to be really rich uh, in, in the areas that matter. He's saying uh, godliness uh, with contentment. Right? And so there's much more to our life than just the stuff. Real joy is found in relationship with God. Okay? So now, as he goes through here in verse 24, back in Luke 12, he says, Consider the ravens. So he's kind of giving an illustration here. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, and they, neither store, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How, of how much more value are you than the birds? And so, you know, here's just a reminder. He's simply saying, if God provides for the birds, he's certainly going to take care of your needs. You know, you're more valuable than the birds, Okay. 
Uh, you're God's special creation, and, and you, that should be your takeaway. One of the takeaways when you read Genesis is in the creation, uh, mankind is a special creation, okay, made in the image of God. None of the other animals or the plants, any of that's not made in God's image, right? So that makes us unique, all right? So we need to realize, so he's making this argument um, from lesser to greater. You know, if God cares about the birds, these ravens, in fact, ravens at that time were considered to be just a low-life bird, a know-nothing bird, okay? If God's going to make sure they've got enough food, then don't you think he's going to make sure you have enough food? That's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Now, um, it's not like the birds don't have any work to do, okay? Because if a bird's not willing to work for a woman, it's going to die, okay? So... (laughs) So he, his point is not you can just do nothing and God's going to drop something on your doorstep, okay? No, that's not the point. The point is not laziness or anything like that. It's just simply the birds aren't worrying. They're not worrying about when that next meal is coming. God provides for them. So the focus is on, on uh, just the, their, their, their lack of anxiety. Those birds don't have to worry. And, and if they don't have to worry, then you certainly don't have to worry. God's going to take care of your needs, your basic needs. Okay? That's what he's telling us there. Now, in verse 25, it says, uh, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Well, this is a rhetorical question. Nobody. In fact, I'm sure there's plenty of studies that would say you're taking years off your life from your worry, right? Uh, Anxiety can cause a lot of physical problems, for sure. Um, And so he's just saying, listen, uh, worrying is not going to uh, do anything for you. He says in verse 26, if then you are not able to do a small thing as that, as add just uh, uh, even a few hours to your life, by worrying, why are you anxious about the rest? And so we, we just have to remember here, worrying doesn't really accomplish anything. It doesn't. So he's giving us these reasons, these reasons why. He, he says, don't be anxious, and then he's giving us some reasons. Now, here in a little bit, he's going to say, well, instead of worrying, do this. Okay, so, so it's not just don't do this. He's going to give us something to do, okay? Um, and so... Uh, so he, he's simply saying, it, it, worrying does not accomplish anything. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, if you've done any kind of Bible studies on worry or looked up scriptures on worry, eventually you definitely run into Philippians, and, and it just talks about, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, right? And then in doing that, Basically, what we're doing is we're kind of um, mentally, spiritually, kind of putting this in God's hands, um, and, 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 and it says that there's a promise there that the peace of God will guard our hearts. And that's important because when, when anxiety starts just running wild, we can make some really boneheaded decisions based on fear, Right? And uh, that's not where we want to be. We want to make wise decisions uh, and not ones that are, just ba- that are based on fear. So whenever you find yourself um, overcome with anxiety, 
You just need to keep praying. Just pray. And I'm not saying that, you know, a one-time prayer is going to just eliminate all worry about that item. Because so many times, the things that we lay at God's feet, we pick them back up. Right? And we do that sometimes and uh, in our humanity. But, you know, when we find ourselves doing that, I think God's just wanting us to take it back, you know, just come to him again and, and just lay it before him. I, I had something this week. It's not, you don't need to know what it was about, but I was worrying about something uh, as I was driving. And I was just, I can't get this out of my head. It's just like stuck on repeat, this worry. And so thankfully, I was preparing for this message. <laughs> and so it was fresh on my mind. Hey, Greg, why don't you sing a song of truth to God, sing along with something that speaks the truth, or why don't you just uh, pray about it? And I just ended up praying about it, and just and, and but it wasn't going away right away. I'm telling you, <laughs> it was stuck on repeat pretty good. But finally, by the time I got home, I at least was, uh, um, and I was no was not guaranteed the outcome of the thing I was worrying about. But I just I just had a better piece about it. Like, okay, God, you know. Uh, you know, I, I've done what I can do about it, and, and there we go. You know, I was fi- finally able to be in that place. And I, so I'm, I'm not, so I want, don't want you to come away with like, oh, you just sing, say a single prayer, and if you're doing it right, you know, you're never going to worry about that thing again. That would be just false, okay? Because, you know, we're, when, when worry starts to get in there, it just, it's a battle, okay? It's a battle of belief, really. It is a battle of trust, and a battle is just that. It's, it's going to take engagement. And the way we, one of the ways we engage is we, we engage in prayer with God. We take these things to God and we tell him the things that are on our hearts because he cares. He cares for us. So, um, so, so worry doesn't accomplish the thing. And then we have here in verse 27, uh, here it says, consider the lilies of the field. And now this is just another, he's giving us another example right? He talked about the ravens, right? Now we've got another, another um, if you will, a, a creation example. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he's kind of relating this back to clothing, right? Everything in this is about food and clothing. And so you, you, the, um, being arrayed is like, you know, being clothed. And so he's simply saying, hey, have you seen how awesome the lilies are clothed, how beautiful they are, you know, and, and, and they're just lilies, <laughs> you know. Um, Solomon, who was, a, a, you know, a great king in the, in the scriptures and uh, was the wisest man who ever lived, uh, certainly he had his share of mistakes, okay, if you read the scriptures, but um, I'm sure because he, he, with, you know, he had great wealth, uh, and he had, could afford the best clothes. So he's saying Solomon, uh, even in all of his glory, all that he had was not clothed like those lilies. And so he's just making this comparison. Then in verse 28, he says, but if God so clothes the grass, he's talking about the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, uh, burning up this grass, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So, um, so what do we take away from this? Well, first off, if God clothes the lilies of the field, he'll certainly take care of your needs. This is just it, just like the ravens, just another example. 
okay, except for this example is with the clothing as opposed to the feeding, right? All right, now, the other thing, though, is did you catch that, catch that last phrase? That kind of stung me a little bit, uh, where it says, oh, you of little faith. And, and so when we're anxious about our basic needs, we are demonstrating a lack of trust in God. Because that's really what, ultimately, if we can't let something go in terms of our being anxious about it, we're, we're not ultimately trusting God with the situation, okay? Um, again, there, again, there's often this battle that goes on in our hearts and our minds, but, but if we can't lay that to rest with the Lord, eventually we're just not trusting Him, right? We, we just need to realize we can trust Him. And um, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you've been following Him some time, you're able, you've got some history with the Lord, and you can look back and you see His faithfulness, how He provides for you, how He's not let you lack uh, clothing or food and your basic needs, right? And so, you know, based on that history, moving forward, same God, different situation maybe, but same God. And so we need to just hang on to that, right? That um, this is a, we can trust him, you know? And, and if you're, you're new to the faith or maybe you're investigating Jesus, uh, you need to realize, you know, uh, this God we're talking about, Jesus, and Jesus that we're talking about, He's trustworthy. Okay? You, he can be trusted. When, when you can't trust uh, um, men and women completely because, because of our sinfulness, we fail one another. Even with our best intentions, we're going to fail each other at some point, right? But, uh, but, but God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He can always be trusted. He's, the Scriptures tell us that he's, he's not like man. He, you know, man can be a liar. God's not a liar. He Whatever he says is true and rightly understood, you can always bank on, okay? And so that's, that's the case here. It says, uh, so when we're anxious about our basic needs, we're, we're just demonstrating a lack of trust. So um, I, I keep thinking about, uh, what is it, Romans 10, 17, where faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And certainly that's true of the gospel message. Faith comes by hearing and hearing uh, by the word of Christ but also that's true for the rest of the Scriptures. So I think if you want to grow in your faith, you need to get more familiar with what the Bible says and some of the promises in there for you as a believer that you can stand on, right? And some of you may come from a more traditional church background where, you know, some of the hymns are sung, right? And, and just standing on the word of Christ my King, right? Through eternal ages, let his praises ring, right? And it's talks about standing on the promises of God, right? And uh, it's in that that you can trust, okay? God's word is unchanging. And so I think if you want to grow in faith, because this is saying, you know, when we're overcome with anxiety, we're, we're not trusting God, then get into God's word and, 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 and get, take these scriptures and, and make sure you're taking them in context, and, and, and stand on the promises of God, all right? And that's what we need. That will help grow your faith, all right? Now, verse uh, 29 says, uh, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you to drink, nor be worried. Then it says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. All right, now, so what's this about, right? So he says, uh, 
in that first verse, right? Let's go back there. And do not seek what you are to eat. So he's like, don't, don't worry about those things. This is what he's getting at. Why, is, why this verse, though? Why for all the nations seek after those things? They're, you know, people that don't have a relationship with God, they worry about this stuff. You know, they don't have the heavenly, they're not related to the heavenly father yet. But you are, you're his child. He's, he's going to take care of you. He's promised to do that. Okay, he's a good dad. And this is what that leads us to is those who don't have a relationship with God worry about these things, but God knows what his children need. Right, so, um, and, and the Bible talks about this, right? It says that, you know, we're not born into this world with a relationship with God. We have to be uh, have to, we actually have to be, the Bible says, born again. We have to put our faith in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross because he died on the cross for our sins. And in doing so, though, anyone who puts their faith in him and asks for the forgiveness that he offers, he uh, honors that request. He keeps his promise. And, and God tells us this in John chapter 1, in verse 12. He says, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. You believe in Jesus' name and what that stands for and who he is, right? Uh, then, and you accept his offer of forgiveness, you are then considered at that point a child of God. And because of that, right? Because of that, what he's going to do is he's going to say, listen, child, I've got you. You're my daddy and you're the best daddy ever. It doesn't matter what kind of daddy you had growing up. Okay, if your daddy was not a good dad, if he was not a kind dad, if he was not a God providing for your needs, well, then, you know, I understand how that can, can maybe give us a skewed uh, image of who a heavenly father is, but we need to, in one sense, be reparated by what the truth says about who God our father is. Okay? And he is a perfect father, and perfect fathers always provide for their children, Okay? So this is, he's making this point. He's making this point, right? That he knows, God knows our needs, right? And, and good parents, they, they're aware of their kids' needs. They're fairly dialed in, right? And so our Heavenly Father is even more so, even more so, right? So he's like, you know, don't, we don't want to live like unbelievers who are worrying about these basic needs because God God's promised to take care of our needs. We're his kids, so don't worry about it, right? Don't worry about those basic needs. Um, God will take care of them. Now, verse 31 says, instead, so now we're going to get to the kind of, okay, don't, so he's been all about uh, don't worry, and here's all the reasons, okay? So we got, we got a whole slew of reasons now, right? Why? We don't need to, as children of God, to worry. But now, it's going to, now what he's going to tell us is, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. He's saying, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, this is an interesting thing to say. Seek his kingdom, uh, and these things will be added to you, right? So he's saying, seek the kingdom of God instead of being anxious about these things. If you do... You get the kingdom and all these things, right? So if, if I'm seeking the kingdom, um, I, I think it can have a various uh, uh, um, aspects to it. Um, but what one aspect is definitely going to be um, just 
keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, okay, keeping uh, our spiritual priorities right, okay? So if there's anything that seeking the kingdom is, it's definitely, it's definitely putting God first, okay? In fact, this definitely relates to uh, a parallel passage in Matthew um, there on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6.33, which says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the all things are the same things we've been talking about, food and clothing. Okay? So it's, it's definitely relating. Luke's relating the same kind of message. It's just he has a, has a shorter version of it. Okay? And so, uh, so seek first. So, you know, this is really just saying, you know, hey, do you have God at the center of your life? Are, is he at the center of your decision-making and your daily life? Are you considering what God has to say about how you're living your life and how you, if you're married, how you relate to your wife or your husband or how you rear your children or, or if you're single, just how you relate to other people. Or, um, you know, just, you know, you got to think about this, you know, because that's, that's the one thing. I, as I think about the baptism today, and I was thinking about my, reflecting back on my baptism, which was a long time ago, uh, in 1983, I believe it was, um, and, uh, you know, so, so what I was doing, you know, anybody that's getting baptized, what they're doing is saying, I have a relationship with God through Jesus. That's already happened. I'm telling you about it. He saved me, and I want to follow him. And, and, and you know, you know and, and, and even when I did that, I, even, I didn't even know what I was doing. Right? I still don't know what I'm doing, but... Um, but but you know what I mean? It's like, because you don't know what's all going to come. You, you don't know what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. You have no idea what lies ahead. But that's okay, because once, as long as you know the Savior, you know he's, he's with you in it. Whatever it is will come, right? And so, so you just realize, you know, um, are you putting him first? And, and, and this is a, again, it's a battleground, too, because there's so many things that would like to take the place of the Lord in our lives. Um, and, and things that are in and of themselves just fine, but they can get their hands around our heart and become start to be the focus of our lives. And so, you know, so I, you know, only you can answer the question, um, is the Lord at the center of your life or you're trying to keep him at the focus, right, in your decisions um, and how you're leading your life? You know, is he, is he just like an afterthought or is he the first thought? of what we're doing and how we're living our lives. And, and you know, and, and, when, and when it happens that uh, we get off track and it's more, he's more of an afterthought than, than, than the first thought, then we just repent of that and say, God, I've kind of been doing things out here on my own. <laughs> you know, thank you for Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers. I'm going to get back on that track and, and I want to put you first in my life. So seeking the kingdom of God, I want to read to you just a, a sentence that John Piper wrote on this, just this idea of seek the kingdom. Um, his, his thoughts on what it means to seek the kingdom of God in, in, in the context of this passage. It says, make God the king of the situation. And in that moment, hand the situation over to his kingly power and to his righteous will with confidence that he will work for you and meet all your needs. So he's kind of thinking about it, it as like it's a handing over. It's like, you know, I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, when he says make, make uh, God the king, he is the king. But am I acknowledging that he's in charge, right? And that he's, he's in control, right? Um, he's in control and, and that we have confidence in him, right? Um, and if there's anything that we probably all need, it's just a growing God confidence, right? We need a growing God confidence that he's, you know, so many things in our lives are just, well, ultimately everything's out of our control. I mean, there's some things we can do, right? I, I, can, I can work out to try to improve my cardio health, and I try to do that. But I could have a heart attack tomorrow and die. I'm not in control of that. I mean, I know that sounds strange to say that, but, you know, I'm not in control of that. But there are some things I can do, right? Um, but but we, have to, we have to continue to grow in our God confidence, right? I'll tell you what, one of the best ways to do that is be around people who are trusting God. We, you need the church, by the way. I mean, I'm not saying like Darby Creek. I'm saying we need the church, capital C. We need God's people, okay? He has put God's people in our lives. That's why, you know, I am really on a mission at certain times when somebody tells me they don't need to go to church. They don't need to be in a church because it's just wrong. That's wrong, man. You need, that, that is God, the church is God's vehicle. It's chosen uh, people. So that um, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, um, do you want to grow in a greenhouse or do you want to grow out in the desert somewhere all by yourself? Which is better? Well, the greenhouse, right? And, I'm, and, and in a sense, the church is kind of like that because God's given all the provisions for growth there. You isolate yourself away from the church. You're isolating yourself away from one of the main means that God wants to grow you. And you're like that, you're like that lion that's out on the fringe and's wandered off, okay? Uh, and and it, can be, it can be taken by other animals, okay? So you, you got to watch out. Um, and, and, and that's why I say, you know, this whole, um, we need the support of the body of Christ to help us continue to trust God. Because there's times when my faith will be weak and yours will be strong. And we need that. We need that. So, seek first the kingdom. Um, And then this last few verses in here says, fear not, little flock. It kind of like like the language here. Now he's kind of going to the shepherd imagery, right? And um, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <clears throat> and so, you know, looking back over some of these verses, you're like, sell my possessions. Okay, hold on a minute, <laughs> you know. And some people have misunderstood this, right? And said, okay, well then, I, I guess I'm supposed to make a vow of poverty or something. I'm supposed to just live on the road and not have a home. And uh, I think that's a totally a wrong way of what Jesus was getting at here, okay? He's been talking about God's provision, okay? Right? And you know what you're going to do is if you're afraid of not having enough, what are you going to do? You're not going to be generous. You're not going to be generous 
You're going to hold on to it because you think that you got to just hang on to it, right? Well, money has feet, people. And sometimes it just runs. Okay? Yeah, and some of you are like, hey, it's definitely a sprint, you know? Um, but, but just think about this. This is what he's getting at. He's just simply saying, right, don't be afraid. Your father's giving you the kingdom, right? If you've got a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you're forgiven and you're going to gain heaven, don't you think that he's got this stuff covered? And so then he's saying, I want you then, he's saying, I want you to be generous. I want you to be generous. So that's why he's saying this, you know, sell your possessions, give to the needy, um, and then he says, start investing in things that are going to last. So this kind of, it, it, it harkens back to the previous section, right? Where he's just saying, you know, invest in the eternal things, right? Invest in people's lives for the gospel's sake, right? Um, uh, invest in the things that are going to yield spiritual dividends, if you will. Right? So, and that's, that's what we close with here. Just God is going to give us the kingdom and all we need. So we can live generous lives and show. That's really what it does. When you're, when you're we're generous, um, right? We're not holding on to our things and our money uh, so tightly. We show that our focus is on him. It really is a way that shows that our focus is on God and we're trusting him. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can trust you. You are trustworthy. And um, you've proven it time and time and time again. And so, Lord, I think about, to the verses, when, when we are not faithful, you are faithful to us. And, Lord, you are just, um, when we become a part of your family by putting our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we don't ever get kicked out of the family. Our, our faith is, is on Jesus Christ and his forgiveness um, lasts for a lifetime, covers all of our sins, past, present, and future, if we have put our faith in Him. And so, Lord, if any of us here today is really struggling with anxiety, um, whatever that particular thing is that they're anxious about, Lord, I pray that they would welcome you in their life as, as their king. Or if, they're, if they've already welcomed you in their life, Lord, remind them that um, the king has kingly power and he can take care of the need. And Lord, just uh, let us all just uh, in these moments here as we sing these closing songs to you and hear the truth sung, Lord, let us, let us use that as an opportunity, God, to, to hand over things that might be causing us great anxiety. Lord, we, we just uh, give it all to you, Lord. Help us to uh, trust you and help us to seek first the kingdom of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.